0: So, continuing with our contemplation, with our practice today, adjusting our attitude to support our intention and our motivation, considering the preciousness of our human birth and the time we have, to use the day to the best of our ability to be as present as we can to our experience, applying these moments of mindfulness, attentiveness cultivating these jhana factors, these factors or these skills that help support and sustain the mindfulness so that it, it begins to increase and deepen our samadhi this eighth factor of the eightfold path our gatheredness, our samadhi, our focus, upon which clarity and insight can begin to arise. We see more clearly the nature of our experience, the nature of reality. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about this balance between the the... Samadhi, the gathered meditation, sometimes also called samatha, shamatha, which literally means the calming and stilling of the mental faculty of the mind, the thinking faculty, the calming and the stilling of that. The word that's usually used for that is samatha or shamatha, shamatha in Sanskrit, samatha in Pali. And it's connected, it's the practice. In a certain way, samadhi isn't so much a practice, it's a fruit, The practice is actually the practice of samatha and sati, mindfulness, and then this calming of the the mind through the practices we've been doing. And as that happens, we start to feel this gatheredness, this samadhi. So balancing that, the calming, the focusing meditation (coughs) with what is called vipassana, which is usually translated as insight... Literally means to see, to see into. So this vipassana is it's a balance and support to the to the calming to the samatha. The samatha, the calming, is a balance and support for the insight. They work together. There are two <coughs> dimensions, two dimensions of meditation. Ajahn Chah likened them to... uh, He said that the the calming meditation, what we've been doing these last few days, is a bit like building a big candle. Very stable, very strong. But if you never light the candle, you don't really see very clearly. The insight meditation is a bit like lighting the candle. But if you haven't got any strength and stability to maintain the light... Then it will flicker and go out. Or <coughs> well, he said, he said it's a bit like uh, a, a knife. If you want to cut through something, if you're looking at a hindrance, for example, and you really want to see into its nature, if you're contemplating one of the hindrances, you need some strength to do that. It's like the back of the knife. You can't just have a blade without something supporting the blade, the back of the knife. Or he said it's a bit like a, a log. If you pick up one end, the calming meditation, you've inevitably got to pick up the other end. Meaning that you start sitting here and you're getting calmer and more still and then something disturbs you. Either a noise or some memory and then it triggers some sense of aversion or irritation and immediately right there you have the the possibility of inquiry what's happening here the calm has been disturbed in insight meditation we allow ourselves to be disturbed sometimes in meditation we, we keep wanting just things to be calmer and stiller and stiller and calmer which is wonderful, but it becomes quite fragile because we can be so very easily disturbed by the body, by others, by just the impact and the flow of life. So if we don't have any capacity to reflect on our experience, reflect on the experience of being disturbed or the experience of the the hindrances, then our meditation will become very limited and we won't be able to integrate it very well in the daily flow of life. And yet if we have no calm, if we have no depth of steadiness of mind, if we have no skill in this shamatha meditation, this samadhi in the jhana factors, then something touches the mind that's disturbing, and we just get blown away. And then a few hours later, we find ourselves <laughs> again. What was that? <laughs> you know, there's no capacity to. Ajahn Chah sometimes said it's like this practice of shamatha vipassana, it's a bit like the steadiness of mind, there's a, a gatheredness, and then something touches. And he said it's a bit like you have a very fine net to discern what touches, catches, it catches what touches. This is an aspect of the of the of the inquiry practice, the mindfulness. You you start to notice what is touching the mind and the heart. And then you can discern. So it doesn't go straight into your whole energetic system and floods you. You know sometimes that happens. But as the strength of the, of, the, of the samadhi grows, as this strength of the mindfulness, the moments of attention, the moments of being here more fully and noticing more clearly what our experience is, then this capacity to really discern and to inquire. What is the nature of this experience? Is it wholesome or unwholesome? Is it something that I should be grasping or letting go or should I inquire or what is more importantly relating it to the practice we've been doing? What is the corresponding impact within the body? What is the feeling tone? What is the sensation? Where is the constriction? How do I experience that? And and there we can begin to bring our awareness. So another analogy from the Buddha for this balance of the calming and the insight meditation, he said it's like two great oxen moving together in tandem, pulling a cart. So they, they work together. often what happens for us as meditators we think we're doing insight meditation but we're just really sitting here thinking about stuff (laughs) because we don't have a lot of samadhi so it's really important not to just throw that out go, oh it's just choiceless awareness whatever happens is fine it's a non-dual being effortless in the moment practice which is true but it's not often what really is happening What's really happening is we just get start thinking about our ideal of what should be happening and not really in touch with the reality of what our experience is. So, so for many of us, particularly those of us in, in our contemporary culture where we've been, you know, we have very complex psychologies and mental um, habits. You know, we think a lot um, and we have a lot of com- complex psychological, emotional material often that can bounce us around all over the place. That this ongoing cultivation of gatherness is really important to keep doing that, to keep, to keep cultivating that because it really will give us a lot more stability and a lot more ground and a lot more power then in which to contemplate that those experiences, particularly that are connected with with dukkha or, or suffering or unsatisfactoriness or stress. And we'll be able to turn that around much more quickly than just get lost in those experiences of, of pain and unsatisfactoriness. So it's not that we just now throw out that the practices we've been doing we're just we're just attuning that uh, with that practice to a certain skill to be able to really welcome and, and be present for what actually emerges within the field of our experience, particularly if we're experiencing one of these hindrances or a combination of the hindrances, I mean, they're just five hindrances. There's many different ways that we become hindered, that we can experience different feeling tones of anxiety or worry or stress or obsessive thinking or distractedness or our disembodiment or our, our deeper nebulous, unclear feelings. We don't quite know what they are, but they're quite maybe disturbing to us somehow or our resistances, there's just so many shapes and forms and flavours to these five main streams of the hindrances, the mind running out, thinking thinking. And and it's this that we need to be able to begin to contemplate, In which the vipassana begins to allow us to contemplate, to get some perspective on. For the sake of then working consciously with those hindrances. It's a bit like what has been me, just feels like me, me being upset. In Vipassana, we begin to make it that sense of upset become something we... We can place a little bit more here rather than it just going and flooding the whole mind. In some stability we notice that which can know the upset is an upset. There's some awareness, there's some presence, there's some mindfulness and from that one can contemplate the object. One makes a little bit more of an object the state of mind that we're experiencing or the emotional dynamic that we're experiencing or the mental activity that we're experiencing <clears throat> and then as we start to use some of these foundations of mindfulness we can notice where how does that feel it's pleasant or unpleasant where is it in the body does it impact the breath if there's aversion in the mind or desire in the mind is there a tightening is there a how, you know, you feel the energy getting more frantic somehow, or dullness, just a heaviness. So it's almost this scientific inquiry. Sometimes one's encouraged to even name what one's experiencing. So, oh, rather than, oh, I'm so upset. One can say, this is upset, or this is anxiety. This is happiness, or this is unhappiness. This is pleasure, this is pain. So, so in the naming of it, it gives one some space. Some, it's not the space to dismiss, but the space that we need to be able to, in the Mula Sutta it says, all conditions are surmounted by, are apprehended by mindfulness and surmounted by wisdom. Or dominated by mindfulness and surmounted by wisdom. Or well, one of the a Chinese master had a lot of influence in Kirisara and, and myself in our practice. He would he would say it like this. He said, "It's watching the state turn rather than being turned by the state. It's watching and noticing." And contemplating as the states of mind that usually sweep us away, as they change. One minute restless, one minute sad, one minute happy, one minute crazy, one minute sad. You know, just the changing weather patterns of the mind, rather than being turned all the time by the states. And the faculty of mind that can really do this is this sati sampajanya, sati yonis This mindfulness, sati, mindfulness coupled with, it's always coupled, often in the suttas, with two other supporting skills. Sati sampajanya means mindfulness with wise reflection. So vipassana, another way of talking about vipassana is to reflect wisely on our experience, to contemplate it. It's a bit like, for example, if you're driving, if you're just doing concentration practice and you're really, really mindful and concentrated in samadhi, you can really feel the wheel and your foot on the clutch and your body and the seat and the sensations and you're driving really well but if you have no global awareness, you might be really concentrated, and really present, but you're going to have a crash. You know, you you can have all of that, but you need the global awareness to take in all the other information that happens when you're driving, and that you know, so that you can respond. And in a certain way, it's a it's a bit of a I don't know if it's a very accurate analogy, but there's this balance of the, the, the focusing, the being embodied with the global awareness of vipassana that we can notice, yes, the sensory impingement, thought, feeling, taste, touch, sound, sight, and it impacts the jita, the heart, it ripples, and it triggers sometimes one of the hindrances or a flow of thought or, and that becomes part of our global awareness and instead of it being something <coughs> that we now need to get rid of because it's disturbing our calm, we actually bring, can bring that mindfulness and start to wisely reflect what is present here, how does it feel, what is the feeling tone, what's the sensation. Can I breathe, particularly if it's a distressed state of mind or emotion? Can I take my breath and my awareness right into the core of the feeling of it? And this links to the second skill often married into mindfulness in the suttas, which I mentioned the other day, which is called Yoniso sakara, which means mani, the mind, sikara, to make, connected with the word karma, to make or to put the mind, yoni, back to the... Yoni is sometimes translated as womb or primordial matrix. It's a way of talking about this prim, primordial awareness, fundamental awareness of the mind. So we take the, the manifestations of the mind, the creations of the mind, which is everything we're experiencing on some level, And we take that into the womb. This is another way of talking about mindfulness. You know, sometimes it's talked about in a very yang way of directing attention and focusing in a clinical way almost on our experience. But there's also this yin way of understanding, of inviting our experience into the depth of our awareness. And so we hold whatever's appeared, the restlessness, the anxiety, the, the wanting, the longing, the, the stories, the old pains, the highs, the lows, we can hold that realising awareness has a very global holding, listening, knowing. Attributes. These are the attributes of awareness. And we can hold whatever we're experiencing within awareness, and awareness will reveal. Its nature is to reveal insight, revelation. Interestingly enough, one of the old translations of the word vija, to see, which is connected with this primary wisdom, is shamanic revelation. Sort of magical revelation. <laughs> it's a sort of awa- the awareness at its most profound level. I'm saying most profound because it doesn't mean it's out of our capacity to touch. We're aware now. We just not often. We're noticing more our thinking, but there's an awareness here that's holding our thinking, that's holding our body, that's holding our feelings. And that awareness, when we start to mindfully mix that with this attention to the awareness itself, and that awareness reflects, is reflected. This is all the fundamental nature of mind. It reflects like a mirror it can reflect, on whatever comes before it, but it's not tainted by what becomes before it. It can reflect, and in that reflection on our experience, sometimes awake insights can arise, understandings can arise, revelation can happen. This is one of the fruits of, of the meditative work. So today I really encourage you to to begin to open the meditation a little bit to continue everything, not to just put to one side to build, this is a building on what we've done in terms of keep working with the breath keep working with this embodiment keep working with the studying this is whatever meditations we do this is our foundation keep working with how is it now coming into contact, guiding attention here but if there is impingement that comes I mean if there's not that's great we don't have to go and do an archaeological dig you know let me just dig up all my stuff let's not do that (laughs) right now (laughs) you know just keep building and focusing and developing and cultivating this samadhi there's not much happening that's great then just keep deepening and exploring that but then if there is impingement and we do meet and experience disturbance in whatever form or flavor or color, then I encourage us not to feel, oh no, this is a drag, you know, something going wrong, but realizing, as we've been encouraged by the great masters, this is an opportunity for us to develop our wisdom. Ajahn Chah talked about the peace of concentration of samādhi being one kind of peace but the peace of wisdom being the unshakable peace because ultimately nothing will disturb us once we get used to working with these disturbances and we realise we can work with them we can dissolve them we can overcome them we can see their essential impermanent nature we won't be so frightened of and resistant and overwhelmed by feeling the suffering that can come and we can also explore, it's not just exploring hindrances, we can also inquire and explore the positive, the wholesome the joyous, the strength, the courage the inspirational and feel that too explore that note that So I encourage us to, to to do this, to notice what's arising, to sometimes name if, we, if that's helpful, and to use our awareness to contemplate, contemplate how is it, what's the texture, what's the tone, what's the body sensation. particularly relating to our work yesterday, particularly noticing in our whatever we experience the feeling tone within it. (coughs) Because this is often where where there's it's the flash point, if you like, of the place of where suffering just goes (laughs) because but fundamentally As um, as is said again in this this very pithy sutta, the Mula Sutta, everything converges on feeling. Sometimes the world is, is a sight, a sound, a thought, but it's primarily it's a it's a feeling. We feel sensitive, we're sensitive. So if there is disturbance, really noticing and rather than getting caught in the big story about why is it there and why me and what have I done and poor me and what a hopeless case and it's not fair and all of that and who did it to me the Buddha recommends just go is it pleasant or unpleasant? (laughs) <laughs> it's very dispassionate, not to say all of that other stuff isn't worthy of some attention somewhere but for now we're just going right to the point where we can start to resolve the escalation into, into unnecessary stress and suffering we just go right to the feeling where is this in the body is it pleasant or unpleasant or neutral and just being able to say this is just unpleasant feeling and I can tolerate that I can bring the awareness there, I can bring mindfulness there, I can bring the breath there, and as I breathe out, I can relax around it, soften, open. Helping that constriction, if we're experiencing it as suffering, helping it dissolve, heal, and release. So it's possible within this work of mindfulness, insight, sati, Married with wise reflection, wise contemplation. So, just to guide you a little bit to come into your sitting posture. And again, just taking a few moments as you establish your sitting. This royal pose, strength of the sitting posture, feeling the lengthening through the spine and the back of the neck, the opening through the chest, softening the jaw and the shoulders, the belly, the palms of the hands, the soles of the feet. Receiving the body in awareness and just noticing how is it now? What are you present with now? So taking some time just to receive your experience. feel a bit sleepy or the mind's a bit skittish, maybe just taking a couple of deepening breaths to help steady the energy of the mind and awaken and aliven a little bit more the body. forth the intention to establish mindfulness, attentiveness, awareness. And as you do so, beginning to again just follow the pathway of the breath. say about three breaths, so you really follow the whole pathway from the sensation at the nostril as the breath expands and ripples into the belly, the exhalation. And as you start to establish a little bit of stability of presence, just allowing the awareness to be a bit more global. So you're aware of sounds. You're aware of sensations within the body. You're aware of the underlying silence and stillness, which you might hear as a There's a sort of vibrational sound within the inner ear. Or you might not, it doesn't matter. Just noticing what's present for you through the experience of the senses. inside of this vipassana, we're beginning to notice that things are changing, the vibration of sound, the sound of my voice arising, and then passing back into the stillness, silence, Noticing sensations in the body. Vibrating, tingling, changing. Noticing the feeling tones within the body. Even if they feel very dense, they're actually also... Not as dense as they first appear, we can inquire into their nature, noticing the breath rising and falling. So whatever quality are we are experiencing, whether peace or hindrance, we can notice it's changing, vibrating, tingling. And if it feels really solid and heavy and dense, then inquire, is it really the case? Or is this also... Does it have some movement within it, some spaciousness? Keep looking, keep inquiring, keep discerning. Same as thinking. Thoughts flitting through the mind. Noticing Feelings connected with thought. Where? How does f- thought feel within the body? Can you feel thought? Does it have an effect physiologically? Is thought permanent? Exploring this way to really look a little more closely at our actual experience through the lens of this insight, this inquiry, while also rooting our inquiry in this stabilizing and steadying within the breath and within the body, calming and gathering as our foundation for our contemplation.